You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis in the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing well. I uh, am anxious for the Thursday night tilt against the Toronto Raptors. Uh, are we, wait, are we supposed to find, I think, I think we're supposed to find out uh, about all-star reserve picks, I believe, as well on uh, mm-hmm. on Thursday. So, yeah, a lot of things happening. Interesting, uh, interesting stuff going on. Yeah, no, there, there's a bunch of interesting stuff. And, you know, the most interesting thing we didn't even mention on last night's episode, and I can't believe we didn't open, but, you know, the Bucks are one of four teams that are going to make an offer for Anthony Davis, which, I mean, wow, what a bombshell report by Kevin O'Connor. Um, like, man, I don't, I don't know how they're going to do it. You you may you may tell that I'm laying on the sarcasm pretty sick pretty thick here, but um, you know it's it's something that you know I've answered a bunch of questions about on Twitter um, in the last couple of days. Uh, I will say it loud and clearly on here, like I like I did on Twitter. The Bucks do not have the assets to trade for Anthony Davis. Period. Just just put a period at the end of that sentence. You could even put an exclamation point at the end of it if you really wanted to to drive the point home. But the Bucks will not trade for Anthony Davis. Yeah, are you are you okay with me saying that, Frank? Is that going too far? No, I'm, I'm I'm okay with that. It's because he's not a good fit, right? That's why they won't trade for him, right? So, <laughs> uh, no, I I uh, I kid. But yeah, I mean, look, if you're the Pelicans, you would want some combination of you know, given kind of New Orleans' ability to likely keep you know players who um, longer term, you probably want young established young somewhat established players at least who are, you have kind of contract control over for some period um and yeah, certainty exactly you want, you want a guy who, you know you're not going to lose in the summer and uh you want uh you know picks right for strong picks and more more the better and bucks really don't have much of either of those really the only you know as far as like you know, really established players. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon, you could argue, well, he's a restricted free agent. So, you know, he can't kind of just leave even if he didn't want to stay. Um, but, you know, as well as Malcolm has played this year, I, I don't, I just don't view him as the centerpiece of a uh, Anthony Davis trade um, when, especially when you've got, you know, uh, Jason Tatum potentially being dangled in the summer by Boston alongside multiple first round picks. Uh, the Lakers obviously have, you know, Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and uh, Kyle Kuzma and Josh Hart uh, that they could potentially throw in deals. I mean, the Bucks are just kind of outgunned here. And they, you know, as we've mentioned in the past, I mean, they have two future first outstanding. They really can't throw more first. I, I think actually, 
I'd have to double check, but you actually can't, like, for instance, you could not trade a 20, 30 first round pick. I think it's like, at this point, I think you can't trade maybe, I don't know if it's like eight years out or so, I'd have to double check. But, like, it might be that at this point, the Bucks literally can't trade another future first round pick because of, like, the, you know, you have to wait two years past the one, the next one, you know, the last one you have out or whatever, blah, blah, blah. The Bucks are not in a position to make a trade for a huge name. Um, they do have an expiring salary. Uh, in George Hill that they could use to potentially go after a big contract, but that's not going to be Anthony Davis. If if you want to think about the New Orleans Pelicans, you know, maybe there are other players in the roster that you could at least think about. I mean, I, I don't foresee a Drew Holiday trade. I don't pursue a, foresee a Nikola Miritich trade as much as I like him. Um, but at least you could, at least you could talk, think about those. And I think it would be reasonable on some level to at least go through the exercise of figuring out if, Either I like that would be of interest. Um, but yeah, I, Anthony Davis, no, not happening. I would also say um, in the same way that, you know, I kind of shoot away Brad Beal deals. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I'm totally convinced that the Pelicans actually go down the route of if they sell off one, they're selling off a whole bunch. Um, just because, you know, when you look at that franchise and what they've been about and, um, you know, you you think back to the Bucks and the MCW trade, like the Bucks were in the middle of an arena discussion and trying to figure out the future of the team. Like, I don't know that New Orleans is at that same point as far down that road, but, you know, if they screw up trading Anthony Davis, like, well, maybe the team goes away. So uh, I, I, to me, uh, I, as soon as the Anthony Davis rumors hit, everyone's just like, Oh, they're going to sell everything off. And I was like, eh, I don't think so. Like, at least, that's just the feel that I get for that franchise. Like, I don't, I don't think they're going to go to a full scale rebuild. And even if you were, I don't know that drew holiday is really a piece that you want to sell. Um, like, I mean, I get it. Like, if you really are tearing the whole thing down, then yes. But, you know, like, his contract is fine. Um, and I think you're getting good value out of him, and he's performed well. And I think you would maybe think if you're going to trade Anthony Davis, you'd get at least a, one or two players that are ready to contribute now-ish, and having Drew Holiday around would probably be a good thing. So uh, the, the Drew Holiday stuff, I don't entertain all that much, but, you know, like Miritich, um, Randall's on a expiring deal as well. Um, do they have someone else on an expiring deal that might actually have some value? I can't remember. Um, but, like, all of that stuff might be interesting. But overall, like, I don't I don't think Anthony Davis is getting traded before the deadline. Like, yeah, I, it, it, I don't know that that's happening. Because if you're the Pelicans, like, don't you just want to wait until Tatum gets into this? Unless, um, or I guess the Celtics get into it, and the Celtics can't get into it uh, because they can't trade for Anthony Davis without also trading Kyrie Irving because of the Rose extension rule, where you can't trade for two guys on a Rose rule extension. Um, so, like, the Celtics can't get into it until the summer. I feel like the only way you make that deal is if the Knicks say. Let's do it, and let's do it now. You're going to get Perzingis, you're going to get Knox, and you're going to get our first-round pick. Then you're like, okay, may- maybe you think about doing it now because that's just a, a good enough deal. But, I mean, outside of that, I, I think you got to wait until you can get the Celtics and Jason Tatum into the mix. Yeah, I mean, the real – very and, and by the way, we should, we should clarify as well. So Kyrie Irving's 
extension is up this summer. He'll be a free agent, assuming he resigns with the Celtics, which seems likely still. Um, then they could acquire Anthony Davis and have both of them, right? So that's why yeah. you're saying it has happened in the summer. Um, I, I think has been pointed as has been pointed out by a number of folks. I mean, the real variable here that could I think maybe change it. Cause I think I would agree. I mean, if it was just sort of an open bidding war among all these teams, um, you know, you would want as much competition as possible. And, um, you know, I think the Celtics are the obvious team that, that can give you probably the, the best combination of assets just because Tatum is just a more, uh, more interesting piece than I would argue any of the kind of main Laker pieces that are out there. Um, and there may be, I don't other, even think it's an argument. Like, yeah. There may be other, well, I'm, I'm not that I'm not as high on Tatum, but, um, you know, neither like, am I, you know, I'm on the record as not loving Jason Tatum and it's not close. Like, like what Laker prospect do you like that much? I, I don't, um, like any of them that much. Um, but you know, <laughs> that th- there might be an argument. I was like, well, if, if Lonzo is, you know, if Lonzo and Ingram are, you know, 70 to 85 percent or something in your estimation of tatum then um you know do you prefer both um rather than just tatum and i think there's an argument too that like both those guys are you know they're they're not at their peak potential yet so kind of like with draft picks do you want multiple sort of shots at something there's an argument i think you could say well i'd rather have all those guys because you know kind of like betting the field right like tatum on his own is expected to be the best of those guys. But as we've talked about, I mean, whenever I hear Bill Simmons talking about Tatum as sort of like this massive upside guy, I mean, he's not going to ever be like a defensive impact player. He can be fine defensively, but he's not going to be like a game changing defensive player. And he doesn't appear like he's ever going to be a like, you know, wing initiator playmaker, score a ton and make everyone around him better type player. And mm-hmm. so like, if you're just like, even if you're like a phenomenal scorer, even if he's like a 27 point per game scorer, uh, what, I mean, what press, like wh- which of the top, you know, I don't know, seven, eight guys in the league um, fit that profile that they aren't like great defenders and they're not like playmakers, right? Like, Kawhi is not really a playmaker, but he's an infinitely better defender than Jason Tatum will ever be. And Jason Tatum would probably be lucky to be as good as Kawhi is offensively. Um, Paul George is a defensive player of the year caliber defender and also has become a better playmaker in addition to scoring 27 points per game. So, um, you know, like those are two guys that you might look at as sort of like similarly sized wings. And, you know, again, it's just like, they're, they're just obvious reasons why he can never be as good as those guys are right now. Um, so anyway, but not, not to like, you know, just make this a shit on Jason Tatum thing. Cause we agree like individually, he's the most appealing asset. Um, kind of in- I think is the most appealing asset of any asset that, out there. That that's actually a really interesting point. Like um, if I, if, if the, if the Knicks got the number one pick, which is again, like not a high likelihood or anything, I think it's what like, 10% or something or 14%. So, you know, it's not going to be like a crazy high percentage likelihood. Um, I would not trade if I'm them, I'm not trading Zion Williamson and Chris Epps Porzingis for Anthony Davis, unless I know that getting Anthony Davis also gets me like Kyrie Durant, Durant and Kyrie. Yeah. Something like that. Right. But like just absent that I, if I'm New York, I would 
rather have Portingus and and him yeah. and Zion for like a long period now. I think I'd where it's interesting, interesting is if you do it now, like you're exactly, you're giving exactly. the Pelicans the roll of dice. Like, hey, it might blow up in your face, but also uh, that might be Porzingis and uh, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish. I'm not even sure who else are like the other guys below Zion Williamson. And you know, if it ends up being Zion Williamson. Like, there's a huge, and it seems like there's a huge, and it's yeah, and it seems like there's a big drop off. I know, I think John Morant has been the oh, other yeah, guy, the yeah. Murray State point guard, who has been getting a lot of buzz. But I mean, none of those guys are considered like in Zion's class exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think the interesting thing would be like if the Knicks basically said, "We'll top one protect it," you know, like that's what yeah. I would say if I was the Knicks. I mean, like because I don't think, I mean, you were alluding to it. Like if you're offering them Porzingis who has, you know, kind of the cost control piece because he'll, he, you know, he can't be more than a restricted free agent unless he took a qualifying offer um, and then kind of took that route. Um, I I would take Porzingis and a top two protected pick or top one protected pick and uh, filler, yeah. right? Like, I don't think you need Zion to, to, to win that, that or to, to win the bidding war. I think you're, you know, as you said, I think Porzingis is the biggest talent out of that group that has been even suggested as being available. And so anyway, yeah, but I mean, especially if you're like, if you're a Pelly's team that doesn't want to rebuild, like, yeah. I mean, you could, you can roll that out next year. Like yeah. you, you get Porzingis all ready to go. You, you get to uh, add whatever, whatever picks. And like, I mean, that, I don't want to say that's going to be a squad, but you know, Porzingis and Drew Holiday, like that can do some damage. Those are two really good basketball players. Yeah. And if you re-sign like Meritage, for instance, I mean, I think Meritage mm-hmm. is one of those guys who will probably always give you, I think he's one of those guys that will get a lot of money, but like is likely to always be a surplus value guy. Um, like I think a, a core of, of Porzingis, Drew Holiday and, and, um, and Miritich, and again, I hesitate to say Miritich is like core, even if you're losing Julius Randle, which most people are expecting because it'll just be hard to offer him as much money. Um, that's that's a nice, yeah, that's 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 nice. Like, that's something. And I think you very easily, because mm-hmm. that's the thing, like, I think the, the, the Pelicans underachieving, I think, has been somewhat fluky as well. Like, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they pulled yeah. off a trade like that and if they didn't, you know, didn't go fire sell route, right? Which it's possible they they do just sell off guys for picks. Um, like, do they dump Holiday for you know younger players and picks, things like that? Very possible. But um, but if they did run run it back, like, I mean, they're not going to win. They're not going to like contend for anything with that group. But could they win forty five to forty seven games and be pretty good? And you know, have people wondering, oh, we didn't actually miss him that much, right? Like, have kind of a um, you know, Pacers after Paul George type type experience. It wouldn't shock me at all. Um, I think there's there's yeah. reasons that you could kind of make that work. I think a bigger problem they have is probably that trading Anthony Davis is not going to make them a functional organization. Um, you know, they're, <laughs> the, uh, Del Demps obviously has been there forever and has not really distinguished himself uh, as a GM. And above him, Mickey Loomis is basically kind of oversees football ops for the saints and basketball ops for the pelicans and he's a football guy and shockingly <laughs> the, the the pelicans have not um you know really broken much ground so yeah it's uh um, they use the same training staff as the saints like they're just uh it's just they're, they're a disaster they're, it's not great um so so yeah i i don't know it's it's an interesting it's definitely gonna be interesting I, so i i well i guess i was about to say it like 
eight minutes ago and then we kind of got sidetracked but uh the real variable and people alluded to is like does does rich paul basically tell the um pelicans we want to go to la we're not going to resign with the celtics if we Mm -hmm. if you trade him trade us there and you know because he has a year left after this i mean it's an interesting dynamic because i mean if you're the lakers first off i i am still find it surprising how much we hear just this like oh the lebron it wasn't about this year like he knew this year was going to be a wash or whatever he's like 34 years old like why he's old man. like why he's why old. would you not be trying i mean you got to have a you know like you're not playing for four years from now like you know you've got two super elite years left and obviously his body is maybe breaking starting to break down showing signs of that with the injury that he's been out with um I, I mean, they, they should have a ton of urgency to try to make a deal now versus kind of screw around the rest of this year, have, you know, all your young guys kind of playing while knowing that they don't really want them and would rather trade them and, and just sort of sit around. I mean, I, I'm the Lakers. I probably just put all those guys on the table and just say, here it is. Let's, Let's do, do this. this. Um, yeah. And tell Rich Paul, like, yo, Rich, we're talking about KCP who plays for the Lakers, but oh, by the way, you know, um, don't tell anyone that we're tampering and talking about your other client. Um, <laughs> go tell, go make it known that, you know, you're not going to sign anywhere, but, but LA and try to force the issue and thereby, you know, basically yeah. make the Celtics not as willing to, to make a big offer. Like, you know, are you putting Tatum in a deal? If Rich Paul is signals that they're not resigning, that's, that's harder to do, right? It's harder to make that, that <laughs> deal. Now you can also point out that, you know, Paul George was supposedly gift wrapped to the Lakers when he got traded to OKC and he ends up staying. We'll see what happens with Kawhi. You know, the Raptors were not on Kawhi's list per se. And um, that, that could be an amazingly good gamble for the Raptors. Um, so it's an interesting dynamic. I think that could change things. And interesting, even if he says, I'm not resigning anywhere else, because he would basically have, you know, potentially two years of Anthony Davis on your team in the playoffs if you trade for him now we could also see some dark horse team just say F it, you know, we're going to throw some big offer together because we're already pretty decent. We want to have Anthony Davis this spring and, you know, then we can either try to trade him this summer if we don't think he's going to stick around long-term or we just ride it out and we get two years of Anthony Davis helping us in the playoffs. Um, So it's, it's a, it's just such an interesting dynamic in terms of just the posturing and, you know, the leveraging that teams are going to do against one another. And I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, if, if Davis says I'm open to, if they if they imply that they're open to the Celtics, then, um, you know, I sit, I sit tight, but flip side, I mean, Anthony Davis, like, do you, I mean, if you, if you do that, then you're basically condemning yourself to having to, I don't know, either play for a team where people are going to be pissed that you're ditching them or uh, they're going to shut you down because they don't want you to get injured. And so you're going to miss yep. your, your def. I mean, I don't know if the, I don't think the Pelicans are on track for the playoffs anyway, but you, you just kissed away, you know, any chance of basically making anything of this season. And he's obviously still very young at 25, but I mean, that sucks, right? Like, you'd much rather get traded to the Lakers and say, all right, let's go make a playoff run and see what we can do um, and get some reps. And he's in the middle of, like, an incredible yeah. season. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's not like he's like playing bad or something. Like he's legitimately playing very good basketball. Yeah, he's not gonna make. He's not gonna make. You know, out. he's not gonna make all NBA if he. Um, you know, if he does that, nope. I mean, there's, it's, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. So if I'm, if I'm Rich Paul, I would, I mean, I would play that card and it's been kind of implied that they might, um, but we'll see if it, I mean, there's not much time left here. So um, that, that's, to, that's probably the big X factor. And, but if, if they don't, then yeah, probably wait till the summer, but man, the Pelicans, you know, do, do they want to screw around with Anthony Davis? Do they want to have to shut him down? Do they want to have to play him and worsen their draft pick, which they finally actually have their own draft pick? Just a mess. And, um, you know, I, I think Howard Beck um, and, and Zach Lowe, you know, we're, we're talking about, um, you know, this because Howard wrote that that piece on Giannis, which was kind of about the, the idea of, you know, Giannis will be in Anthony Davis's shoes um, next year. Uh, as far as like being eligible the following summer for this, uh, you know, the, the huge supermax deal with, which effectively kicked all this off, right. Anthony Davis saying, I'm not going to sign that. Mm-hmm. Um, and thankfully uh, Howard and Zach and everybody acknowledged that Giannis seems far more likely to want to stay given just sort of his general loyalty to the bucks and the fact that the bucks are actually really good and not, you know, kind of a Pelicans type situation. And again, we'll, we'll see if anything changes this summer with all the free agents, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting, you know, I mean, you, as a Bucks fan, you just hope that we don't find ourselves in the situation that Pelicans fans are going to be. Um, and again, I'm not worried about that per se, but you never know things change. Right. And when you have a super elite talent like this, um, you know, the downside is you're kind of at the mercy of that guy wanting to stay, stay with you. I would say this as Bucks fans, you all should prepare for those headlines to start. Like one, once Anthony Davis gets sorted out, like, I don't know when exactly that'll be, but it'll get sorted out at some point, and then like everyone will start vulturing around the Bucks and Giannis. And I, I think Bucks fans are already ready for it because, well, people have already started to do it, but like it will. It will ramp up, and you know, at that point, uh, I think you point to kind of all of the things that you know, like the other undercurrent of talking about Anthony Davis this whole week has just been uh, the general idea that oh, you know, a lot of people feel bad for small markets, like the supermax didn't work, and you know, the whole goal of the supermax was you know to have so much money that guys couldn't turn it down, and and all these things, and. Then, you know, like as we were or as people were talking about, it's like, well, you know, the one thing small markets can control is being competent. Like if if you don't suck and you're not a a poorly run organization, like that makes it easier for you to to keep guys. And granted, uh, I know a lot of people get upset when they hear that because it's like, well, the Knicks have been terribly run forever and they still get chances and you know Lakers have been bad now for a while and they get LeBron James come there and it's like yes like there are inherent um, advantages to being a a larger market team and just some markets are going to have those advantages no matter what and whether or not they are competent but in a small market the thing you can control is you know being competent and uh, if if you're looking at this Bucks team, I think uh, this last year has been a big step in the right direction. Uh, if things were what they were last year, 
where you know there's there's a, not a good coach and just not a, a real coherent plan, then, you know, all of a sudden, all of that, uh, all of those things intensify. So I think that's the, obviously we all already know that this off season is going to be very interesting, but that's a, a, just another thing that goes into this off season for the bucks is, you know, you have to come out the other side looking competent again. And uh, again, m- maybe that means you make the right decision and not, re-signing someone at a contract or maybe that means you make the decision to sign someone even though maybe they're not worth it and but you got to keep the team together so Giannis is going to be impressed or want to stay or whatever like all those things go into that calculus but that's essentially what you're proving this year is be competent so that uh, the vultures don't get louder and Giannis doesn't hear even more whispers uh, from people around the league or from his his Nike reps or whatever it may be as he, as he starts to get into more and more stuff. So that'd be the only thing I would say is that, you know, obviously they mentioned Giannis is next in line uh, and he'll be the next one to talk about. But um, I think the big thing to always think about is like as a small market team, if you're competent and you know, you're, you have a good, uh, you know, you have a good outlook on the franchise, like, okay, you should be fine. And obviously I think something that could throw a wrench in that is, the fact that the governor seat switches this off season as uh, Mark Lazar will step in for Wes Edens after the season. So that switches. And, you know, if, if Mark Lazar would come in guns a blazing and say, everyone's gone and we're doing a total overhaul. Okay. That might make Giannis say, uh, you guys don't have it together. I, I, I don't think this is an organization that I trust. And then all that stuff gets louder. So um, that would be the the one big thing I think this summer that you do have to kind of think about as we think through uh, Giannis being next or, or whatever people want to say. Yeah. I mean, but we have no reason to think, I mean, basically we're, if, if the a brisk is Mark Lazar is insane, then, you know, then, well, I guess, yeah, but um <laughs> I'm not saying it's an actual risk. I'm just saying if you're looking down the road, there are not, uh, you know, uh, outside of trying to figure out the whole starting lineup, like that would be the other thing that would kind of, you know, change things or move things around. But no, there, there's no indication uh, that Mark Lazary is going to do anything like that. Um, real quick on the other guys. Um, so I thought a bit about Miritich. When you think about like Miritich and Holiday, kind of different reasons. Holiday um, makes a lot of money. I think he's what, in like the 25 to $30 million range per year, I think off the top of my head. Um, yeah. And so I think as you think about like, well, Drew Holiday is really good. Like, is there some trade that makes sense? The challenge is, is kind of this. Like, so if you think about the Bucks, and we've been trying to think through like scenarios for how you keep the current roster together. And, you know, we've kind of, kind of thinking like, okay, there's, there's a way <clears throat> where you could, you know, keep Middleton somewhere close to his max, you know, in the 30 million range. Um, so you carve out that slot, then you carve out, you know, let's say mid teens for Brogdon and maybe high teens for Bledsoe, something like that. Um, you could then also probably still have room to bring back Lopez on a mid-level deal. Um, you probably need to you know, dump Ursan's deal or something like that to sort of make all that work. Um, but there's like a path to doing that. And so as you think about like adding other pieces, like Drew Holiday, for instance, 
if you just throw in like if you throw in a guy like Drew Holiday who would make you know a fair bit more than Bledsoe, for instance, even if you said, well, I'll just replace Bledsoe with with Drew Holiday or something like that, effectively that kind of swap, right? And, and again, not that you're going to trade Bledsoe for Holiday straight up because I don't see why the Pelicans would ever do that. But even if you throw in some other pieces or something like that, um, I mean, I, my view is it probably would have to be Brogdon centric to, to try to get Holiday, but you might have to give up Brogdon and Bledsoe. And effectively, from a salary standpoint, you'd probably need to sacrifice both of those guys in order to have the room, just because of the math, to pay Holiday what he makes, since he makes significantly more than what either of those guys will make. So that's kind of the important thing to think about. Like, And we've talked about this in regards to other kind of trade possibilities too. Like, If you want to add another kind of like high-priced guy, I think we talk a lot with like Jimmy Butler or before the season, like why kind of the Butler thing didn't make sense. But if you want to keep, you know, get a guy who's making high 20s or whatever it is, um, then you probably need to sacrifice two other guys unless you're getting rich. You're saying, well, we'll just, we won't keep Chris. Um, but especially with Holiday, you really want to keep Chris Middleton, I think, if you have Holiday, because Holiday is doing, you know, again, he's he's kind of a combo guard. We can play point, you can play a shooting guard. And so, you know, it's just kind of a weird thing if you, were to say, well, get rid of Chris Middleton and have Drew Holiday and Malcolm Brogdon and Eric Bledsoe. I don't think fit-wise that makes a lot of sense. So Holiday, even if you could figure out a trade um, net-net, whether it's in the trade or by just kind of the salary stuff, you probably effectively need to lose Brogdon and Bledsoe, I would say. Um, you know, and again, I'm assuming you can't just wave your wand and get rid of Snell and, and Ursan easily, because that would certainly make it more possible to do something like, like this and kind of keep more guys. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's a hard, um, it's a hard kind of equation to, to solve, I guess. And with Miritich, I think the problem with Miritich is, um, I think, you know, you could have a really interesting combination. Like if you had Miritich as, um, I mean, you know, he would have to play more than either DJ or Ursan plays now. So you would have to, you know, either start playing Giannis more at the three or basically have Miritich soak up like most of like kind of the Ursan slash DJ minutes. So pretty much all the like, basically have like a three-man big rotation with Giannis, Brooke, and and Miritich. Um, and I, there's definitely like a, some, I can see some appeal in that because Miritich is like, you know, a super dangerous. I mean, he's streaky offensively, but he's really really good and i mean he stretches the floor in ways that would be awesome around Giannis, i would say um and i think defensively he's actually pretty competent um he's not like you know some guy's just gonna get i think torched um if against like a raptor type team something like that so what position really in- play? like uh, that to me is the uh, well that's the thing i think he's a four mostly i think you can yeah. Play him with Giannis, um, kind of like what they do with Ursan and, and DJ at this point. Um, so in that case, it's like you know, take your pick who you're considering the five or the four. Um, but uh, but I think the, the 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 bigger problem is he's going to be a free agent next summer, yeah. and so it's like, well, what are you, you know, so how are you kind of again kind of constructing your roster? And you know, he's going to make mid to high teens probably to keep him, and so is the best use of your assets to spend mid to high teens on a guy whose ideal position is the same as Giannis's, you know? So it, just from a roster fit kind of long-term perspective, it's just kind of harder to make sense. And, you know, I, I would not want to give up like a, um, you know, like George Hill for Miritich. I 
probably more or less works at the deadline. Um, but it's like you'd have to attach something to to that to, for the Pelicans to make it worthwhile. And so, are you going to give up, you know, some other asset to to make that work? Um, I, you know, I mean, you don't have a first round pick. Um, I think. Like if they were really interested in Thon Maker, and you know you could do sure. George Hill and Thon Maker for Miritich, well your roster's kind of imbalanced again if you do that, because um, then you don't have really a you know a, a third ball handler behind Bledsoe and Brogdon. Um, I think you could probably get away with it for long stretches, but um, I don't know. It's it's kind of a I think just a tougher thing to make sense. So and Brandle again, I think he's going to. You wouldn't have bird rights on him because he's effectively an expiring salary who can opt out of the second year of his mid-level deal. So, um, you know, I don't think you're just going to be able to keep him. And I also think Randall's a really poor fit with Giannis just because they both kind of need the ball and are kind of bully ball kind of four fives. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think he's a really poor fit with Giannis as much as I think he's an interesting player in general. So anyway... I feel like we've beaten this to death on why the Bucks aren't going to make a trade with the New Orleans Pelicans, but um, it is at least a, at least for I think Holiday and, and Miritich, it's I think an interesting thought exercise. If only because we'll probably have similar conversations about other players too. Yes, I think uh, Holiday, Middleton, Giannis is super fascinating. I don't know how you get that done. Um, I mean, obviously you talked about like the cap and all that, but sorry, you said you Middleton, just, Giannis. Yes. Like not tr- like that trio. Middleton, who and Giannis? I- Holiday. Oh, I didn't sit here. You say Holiday. I just heard you say Middleton and Giannis. No, I think they should trade Middleton and Giannis for Drew Holiday. No, uh, <laughs> Holiday, Middleton, and Giannis. I think is a super interesting. Yeah, yeah, I trio. Agree. Like that is, you know, when you're trying to think of actually being able to defend and you know just kind of be uh, world destroyers. Uh, I mean, those three defensively is, I mean, really tough stuff. Like (laughs) when, when we talk about, you know, the big impact Eric Bledsoe has made defensively, like Drew Holiday is even better than that. And then on top of it, you add some, a little bit more consistently consistency as a three point shooter. You add some more playmaking. Um, You just have a more well-rounded player than Eric Bledsoe. Uh, Then you, you have Middleton, you have Giannis, like that, that threesome just makes a ton of sense to me. Um, but, you know, how you get that done uh, from a trade perspective and uh, please the the Pelicans, like, I think that gets really difficult to try to think through. Like, what are the Bucks putting together that is going to make them think that trading Drew Holiday is, is the right decision? Obviously, he's, he's a little bit on the older side. Um, so maybe you can convince them with younger guys, but I think ultimately that might be too difficult. Miritich, to me, it just doesn't make much sense. Like, this is, I mean, honestly, you could probably copy and paste the conversations we had about Jabari Parker and, you know, why paying another four to play with Giannis doesn't make a ton of sense to what we're doing and again i'm not trying to say um, miritich is the quality of player that jabari parker is that would be offensive um like i'm just saying that those arguments all kind of stick and stay um so yeah all right let's do let's pick some eastern conference all-stars and then preview this Raptors game and let's get out of here. We spent entirely too much time on the Pelicans. Um, all right, Eastern Conference. We got to pick some reserves. Uh, so I guess 
Hmm. I'm trying to think of the best way to do this. Uh, let's see if there's people that we 100% agree on. We need to pick yeah. how many? I've got, Seven? I've got three locks. Let me to start with those and see if you agree. Bradley Beal. That's one. Victor Oladipo. Uh, sure, yeah. I, I would say I will pick Oladipo and then I will use his, I, since he's out, we'll just you know, we'll repl- immediately yeah, recycle. It. Yeah, but I agree. I would want to pick him because I think he deserves that recognition and long-term that stuff matters. Um, yes, so we can say Oladipo. So I have four technically, but yes, I'm kind of ignoring Oladipo, but yes, sure. Um, hmm, Vucevic? No. Hmm. Ben Simmons? Yes, he's one of them. Okay. I think I can get down with that. Um, I'm trying to think. Hmm. I don't know who your fourth one is. Uh, I've got Blake Griffin as my other one. Um, okay. And I, 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 I can get down with that. And you, you okay. could argue that the Pistons are bad enough that, you know, um, he can't be a lock. Um, but seeing them recently, I think that it, I feel confident saying that is not on him. Yeah. I, that, and that's what I would say too. Like he's the least of their, their problems. And I think, um, you know, Drummond is, is not in any type of all-star con- consideration at this point. I think he, he just doesn't, I don't think he really matters, uh, in winning and losing at this point. I think, you know, again, he gets you rebounds and gets some numbers, but, um, you know, I, I know, I know that's something we've talked about, like, Oh man, could the Pistons have like, you know, like, Oh geez, would they have like, two all-stars like that would be stupid um but they're not gonna have two all-stars they're gonna have yes. one so yeah i the my i guess four effectively three um are uh ben simmons blake and bradley beal uh anyone else you would categorize as a like a lock have to be in their type guy um i mean i think vucevic is interesting just because he's been so good but he's that magic team is obviously not um no, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I, I think you get into an interesting conversation um, when you're talking about Kyle Lowry, uh, just because you. I mean, I think in some ways you have to reward teams at the top. Um, so, I mean, I think that also is. I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about the the buck that we think is going to be a reserve, but um, you know, like, do the Raptors and Bucks both need two All Stars? I think so. Like, if if we're really trying to look at the league and you know how it is made like well those guys play on good teams so you know if they had the chance to be on crappy teams could they put up bigger numbers yeah i think they could um but you know i think there should be some reward for being on a good team so i think both the bucks and the raptors need two so uh i mean siakam maybe you can make the the argument for but i think i would i would keep it to lowry and say that that would be another one that i understand he's probably not a lock but he's just below it yeah lowry's interesting I mean, he has not shot the ball well this year at all he's shooting 32 percent on threes but still at 56 percent true shooting um i think he's sort of in the chris middleton ballpark um at this point um so just kind of goes to show you like i mean because he is so um biased towards three pointers um, he, he still is, you know, a guy who, um, you know, can score pretty effectively. I mean, it's interesting. Cause like, by the way, it's interesting. I still hear people like even people whose like opinions I respect, like quote raw field goal percentage when they're talking about like the guys like that's, and it's just like so hard to like Kyle Lowry is shooting 41% this year. That's like for a field goal percentage, that's really bad, but it's like, you know, he shoots tons of threes and he hasn't been that good at them this year, but he shoots 
54% on twos. He's shooting a career best number on two pointers, but you just don't notice as much and it doesn't wait that much because he doesn't shoot that many of them. So it's kind of like a funny thing. I just, yeah, I, I just can't really even like, it's, it's not like a meaningful number to me to talk about raw field goal percentage. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Lowry is, I think he's an all-star still. Uh, his assist numbers are way up and just, you know, like his RPM numbers are fantastic. Like it just seems like even though he has missed uh, a, a number of games uh, due to injury, I think he's missed like nine, nine or 10 games due to injury, something like that. Um, it's just, uh, or no, maybe he's missed 11. Um, he's played in 41 games. So it's not like he's missed like half the season or anything like that. But um, the Raptors really do seem to um, play way better when he's on the court. And, um, you know, um, it's it's also kind of nice to have like fat Kyle Lowry kind of back, um, you know, um, and, and still be pretty good. So uh, he's annoying to play to, for your team to play against, but I, I still have him in there. Um, and then um, I Vucevic is really interesting. Um, I, I, I guess, <laughs> I guess he's uh, an all-star. I'm, I'm like not thrilled about it, but I was really hoping he would have like bad advanced numbers. Like, you know, I was hoping his like RPM would suck and we could find evidence that the mad, that they're just totally hollow stats. Um, but I mean, the magic 21, 20 and 31 pistons are not much better wizards, not much better either. So if we're not going to, you know, eliminate Bradley Beal and Blake Griffin, probably not fair to, to eliminate Vucevic and, his advanced numbers are very impressive. Are, are very impressive. I mean, his his RPM stats. I mean, they suggest he is not just a hollow stats guy. And you know, his numbers what like twenty twelve and four or five assists. Um, he's been great. I mean, he's been really good. I don't know what that means. I, I don't. I don't. He's not a guy I would look at and go, oh, I want to pay that guy a ton of money in free agency because I still don't really know. Still not really convinced that his style of play is going to be scalable to kind of playoff success and the way that elite teams are going to play. But, um, you know, shout out to Nikola Vucevic, the, uh, the gem of the, uh, of the Dwight Howard trade, um, which ironically is um, pretty much means that Orlando won that trade, like hands down, given everybody else has long since left uh, Iggy leaving Denver long ago and, and uh, Andrew Bynum, uh, you know, I don't know what happened to Andrew Bynum, but not doing anything in Philly and, Dwight, of course, having man, Dwight has had a rough go of it. So, um, so yeah, I'll say I'll I'll put Vucevic mm-hmm. in, um, and then so here's yeah. my, here's my update. So we need three front court players, two guards, and two wild cards. So as of now, we filled two of the three front court spots with Blake Griffin and Nikola Vucevic. Vucevic, Vucevic, Vucevic. Okay. Um, we filled the two guard spots with Bradley Beal and Ben Simmons. We filled, I don't even know if this is the right way to go about it, but we filled the other two wildcard spots with Oladipo and Lowry, and Oladipo is going to be an injury that we're going to need to replace. Um, so we have in a wildcard spot left, and we have a front court spot left. And that's where we're at. So can you make me a case for a non Milwaukee buck in those two spots, because obviously the question bucks fans are going to ask is, okay, well, blood. has been really good. You know, advanced numbers are f- terrific. Um, you know, his, uh, 
per minute stats are still really good. He doesn't put up monster, you know, raw per game numbers, but that's partly because he doesn't play 30 minutes per game. Um, defensively, he's been great. Uh, team's been great. Um, I think Bledsoe, I think, I, I would say Bledsoe, I would probably put Bledsoe um, as my second buck. Um, but the more I think about it, um, the more I feel like Middleton has a pretty good case for the last spot. Um, so I don't know. Let's talk. Like, are there, I, I know I'm, I'm trying to make sure I haven't forgotten anybody, but like Jimmy Butler, D'Angelo Russell, um, who else is like in the mix to, to potentially give, give those, give, uh, our bucks, uh, competition for those last couple spots. You said the two were Russell and Butler. Those are two you were thinking of. Those are two I was thinking of. I'm sure I prefer, you know, like you mentioned Siakam. Siakam maybe, um, I mean, I don't, I don't think like, I I don't think Sabonis, I wouldn't put, I I have a hard time putting Sabonis. I mean, you can make a case for Sabonis. They got got their one all-star. They got their one all-star and I I don't feel like they, they need another all-star just because Victor Oladipo's hurt. Like that's not how it works. And they look pretty bad since he's been hurt. So, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't. Um, Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. So on general principle, I'm saying no on Jimmy Butler because first off, um, the Sixers, I mean, the Sixers look like their whole team construction is that they have three really good players and the rest of the team is, you know, has a big drop off. So on some level, like, I mean, I don't think it's like um, just offensive on general principle that the Sixers could get more all-stars than the Bucks or Raptors. Um, it's just partly how the, their teams are constructed. And it's not like the, you know, Sixers are light years behind the, the Raptors and Bucks in the standings. Um, but I just think you look at Jimmy Butler's season. I mean, you know, he's, he's been good. Um, but has he been like undeniably great? Um, no, he's still very good. I mean, I think he's a better basketball player than Chris Middleton, like in a vacuum. Right. But the world is not, the basketball is not played in a vacuum. Um, and, you know, he spent the first month of the season submarining the Minnesota Timberwolves. So it's just sort of like, F that. Like, you know what, Jimmy Butler? Like, how about you wait till next season when you maybe don't screw up your team that, you know, for, for four weeks. Uh, and then we can let you back in the All-Star game. But I feel like on general principle, I would probably say no to Jimmy Butler at this point. Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, for a while, you know, I've kind of been on the Jimmy Butler is a, a better player than Chris Middleton train. And I've also been on the I'm not 100% sure you would want Jimmy Butler on your team more than you'd want Chris Middleton on your team. Because, I mean, he's, he's I don't even think this is like going on a limb saying something here. He's an asshole. Like, that's that's Jimmy Butler's whole shtick is he's just an insufferable asshole and he thinks he's the best player on every team that he's on and he's going to treat everyone else on his team like they're below him. And that is not to me, you know, a, a great thing that you want on your team. That isn't, uh, that isn't the leader you want in the locker room. Um, so to me, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't think, I don't think you should be there. Um, I really honestly don't have uh, going through other players. Like, I mean, you mentioned Drummond a little bit because of numbers, but there's no way he's better than any of those guys that we've already listed. Um, I just don't see it. Like, I, I don't know. 
I truly don't know what else you would do there. And, you know, because we've kind of gone through this. Yeah. This is why, I, I mean, it's one of many reasons. I think personally that Chris Middleton has built up enough respect and pedigree and reputation among coaches that if they're picking between two bucks, they're going to give Middleton the nod anyways. But, I mean, they have to pick three front court guys. And Middleton is down as a front court guy, and Simmons is down as a guard. And again, that may or may not be fair, but we're struggling <laughs> to to figure out front court guys. So we have Griffin and, and Vucevic, and then it's like it's got to be Chris, right? Like I don't know, I don't even know. I don't think we have particularly good candidates to also throw in there. Yeah, I mean, Siakam has obviously had a great has been a great story. Um, I think he's been really good. I mean, we've seen that firsthand when the Bucks have played um, the Raptors. But yeah, I, I'm I'm not quite there yet that that he's an All Star. Um, so I, again, I I think you can. Um, I think there's an argument to be made that you know he's had a better season than than Chris. I think you you can make that case for sure. Um, but uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not there yet. Um, so I I will. I will be. I'll put on my Homer hat. And I, to be honest, I didn't think I would. I would be there. I thought I would basically get to like two bucks all stars. And um, to be honest, like I, I don't know. I mean, I personally, as a fan of the Bucks, I you know, would be happy for Chris and Eric, and it would be cool to have them both there with Giannis. I think that would be fun. Um, you know, probably would uh, make maybe the summer uh, free agency negotiations maybe. Uh, give them a little bit more leverage to claim than they would be able to claim <laughs> that they're all stars. But, um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to lose sleep over this probably one way or the other. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, um, you know, I think there's definitely a, there's actually a possibility. I, I would say this, I would expect one of them gets in. Um, if you put a gun to my head, I'd, I guess I'd say Chris guess. Um, but I don't know. I don't. You don't even have to like. It'll be Chris. Like I don't. I don't even think it's a debate. Yeah, honestly. he didn't really fare that well in the coaches. Seem or it. It sounded like he didn't actually finish that high in the coaches voting last year, though. So I don't know. You never know. Um, but but like if you if you think through Bucks players and you think through Chris Middleton and you think through Eric Bledsoe, like no matter how impactful Eric Bledsoe's been this year, like. I'm not going to say coach they're spiteful, but they don't have short memories. Like, aren't they going to think back to all of the other years of Eric Bledsoe? Like the, the, I don't want to be here stuff. Like we were just talking about with Jimmy Butler, like don't, doesn't some of that still linger? Maybe it doesn't, but I feel like it does. It, it could, it could. Yeah. Um, I, we'll see. I guess, Whether um, that's fair or not is a different story, right, but right, I, I, and I think it's an interesting insight into um, into how coach. I, I think it'll be interesting to see um, what happens. I mean, if Bledsoe makes it over Middleton, I think that'll be interesting because that will suggest that you know coaches are really actually watching and and paying attention to kind of this season and rewarding the guy who's been you know kind of more productive, more. Um, kind of overachieving maybe this season, right? Because it feels like Chris has been kind of like, yeah, he's been fine. Um, maybe could, you know, could be better, especially with that slump he had versus Bledsoe, even though he hasn't shot the ball well from three, it feels like, oh, he's playing so well, right? He's been kind of a nice story. So, um, so anyway, yeah, I, I, so it's weird. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know. I, I think I'll play the homer. I'll say um, 
I'll say both guys deserve to get in, but um, it it gets pretty marginal there at the end. And um, I, I'd be I'd be really, I gotta I'd say, be really surprised if that's, if that's you playing the homer. If that's you playing the homer, uh, we might need to find someone new on the podcast to play the homer because I'm not quite convinced of your homerism uh, as you went through that and tried to look for every player that you could elect outside. Um, oh, by the way, I'll also, um, I feel like D'Angelo Russell has made a late charge. Um, and I think kind of it's a little bit yes. of BS because like Spencer Dinwiddie got hurt. And so now it's almost like people are like, oh, well, the Nets need somebody and Spencer Dinwiddie's hurt. So I guess we got to pick D'Angelo Russell. It's like, what? Like, that's that's not how... <laughs> <laughs> that's not how this this works um yeah you know he's uh he's been good this year um much better than the past but he's still like a plus 1.59 rpm guy which is like not really particularly all-star worthy i mean to give people a sense Bledsoe's at almost plus four um Giannis is over plus five chris is at over plus yeah. two um so i mean i think some of the peripherals on russell are still kind of sketchy he doesn't get to the line ever um and because of that he's actually a low if average efficiency score he's only um under 54 percent true shooting which is worse than kind of everybody else we've talked about um but he has you know 19 and a half points and 6.4 assists and he's been playing better of late right so he's kind of elevating i guess his game uh, at the right time so yeah i i don't know i mean i just think it's like really like do are we like d'angelo russell he's he's averaging 24 points a game this month like we're just we're gonna we're gonna give D'Angelo Russell an All Star berth because he's like caught caught fire at the right time. Like, come on, like we've seen D'Angelo Russell. Like, are we gonna fall for this BS? Come on. Um, so yeah, I, I I would not be shocked at all if if, if Russell um, gets one of those spots that that otherwise could have gone to to one of the Bucks. Um, but I'm just telling you, it's, I'm just telling you, it's stupid. If me if like meetings would occur for these like things to be debated, I would want you to argue the negatives of every player in the room because you are fantastic <laughs> at it like no one shits on a player better than frank Matt. by the way you know why else jimmy butler doesn't deserve to go to the all-star game <laughs> please tell me well do you remember what happened the last time jimmy butler went to an all-star game what happened the last time he went to an all-star game well you probably don't remember because he mysteriously became sick and sat out the game last year <laughs> <laughs> I.e., he probably partied too hard and was like, uh, "I'm just not going to play." Oh yeah, you're you're too cool for the All Star game. Well, guess what? You don't have to go this year. <laughs> Done. All right. Um, okay, Bucks Raptors. It is a huge game. Mike Boonholzer will never ever ever admit it. He will look at me and laugh at me as I pose the question pregame tomorrow because that's just what he does when I ask him about the tiebreaker with the Raptors, but uh, it's undeniably huge, right? Like, uh, I'm not crazy here. Uh, it's important. I mean, as you said, like it kind of counts, you know, for, for in multiple ways. Cause obviously, you know, it's, it's a, a big swing in the standings if you win versus if you lose. Uh, and as you also pointed out, if you win, then you get that essentially an extra game um, in the standings because you've got that tiebreaker. So, um, it's it's big in that regard, and you know, just psychologically, I think um, the Bucks fortunately have already beaten them once in Toronto, so they know they can do it. Um, but you go in there but, twice, you beat the Raptors twice in Toronto. That would, like that would be damn, that would be damn, uh, damn, damn cool to to pull off. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, anything you're thinking about? Uh, the, I think the big thing I think about every time the Bucks and the Raptors play is uh, Ibaka and pretty much how he shoots the basketball. Because it, it seems like that's that's the shot that the Bucks are going to give up against the Raptors pretty much no matter what. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, first game of the season when Giannis didn't play, he shot, I think, 11 threes, four out of 11, I think, from three. Um, I think the... Uh, I think since then, I don't think he's shot nearly as many threes. He's been amazing at long twos this season, has really not shot the ball that well on threes. Um, and I thought, I think it's been interesting because we've seen him kind of show differing levels of um, interest in attacking the rim um, on, uh, on, on role as, as a role man. So sometimes popping, you know, you, we always, we always sort of think, oh, we're worried about, you know, the, the opposing big popping to the three point line. Um, but I mean, he's, his three point shooting is down to 27% right now. So, which is just weird to me, right? Cause I mean, he has shown in the past the ability to hit threes at a reasonable rate. Um, but he has not hit a three in yeah. seven straight games. He is, let's see, over his last 13 in that span. Um, so in kind of a weird funk shooting from three and, um, you know, I'd say overall still having a really good year, um, which is been big because you know a lot of people were kind of looking at him as a guy that was on the downturn and you know you look at him last year um in slightly fewer minutes per game 12.6 points 6.3 rebounds um you know did hit one point get 1.3 blocks but 36 percent from three this year three point numbers are way down but um 16 points almost eight rebounds um same number of blocks per game um, 53% from the field, despite shooting really poorly from three, because he's just been absolutely lights out from mid range. And so, um, you know, I, I'm just thinking back to uh, Giannis's quote after that first Knicks game, right? Did they win? No, they did not. <laughs> um, so it may be a test of, you know, letting the Raptors kind of beat them mid range. Um, I think that'll be interesting to watch. And then, um, yeah, I think the other piece that, um, I mean, I think Kyle Lowry is a really other interesting kind of you know, wild card here because he's had a couple of just terrible games against the Bucks, and um, and then he didn't play in the last one and they won. <laughs> so um, we we just talked about how much better the the Raptors have been with him on the court. The Bucks have been maybe the one opponent that hasn't really seen that. So I think that's going to be certainly interesting to watch. Kawhi has been a ton of late. We've seen that firsthand. Um, but Lowry, I think, is always one of those you know X factor guys, especially relative to to what we've seen from the Bucks and Raptors games earlier this season. <sighs> yeah, it, it it is funny to think that you know, like in an All NBA guy uh, is something that you're <laughs> like you're thinking like, oh, you know, is he going to play well? Is it's going to be able to impact? Like, it's just funny that. He's that guy, and yeah, I, I think it's gonna. Uh, he can he can certainly swing it. So, man, um, I will say this: I am very excited to be in Toronto, and I'm very excited to have tomorrow night's game. Like, I, it's just gonna be incredibly awesome, and I hope Bucks fans are incredibly excited about it because it's gonna be great. So hopefully uh, the result ends up being great. But whether or not, I, I feel pretty confident that tomorrow night will be a good basketball game. So uh, it should be fun. That is going to be it for us for today. For Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.